Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Antibio, antibio. I, no, no, I just get given these to read, which is, of course, Arabic for Achtung, Achtung. I did go online for once to listen to the uh, pronunciation, Jim. I did. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was quite. I thought that sounded. It, it sounded just a bit sort of strangled, didn't it? I mean, it did. But but what what can you do? Um, I don't we, know. I don't. I mean, but but, but yeah. I mean, I do, I just do my best. Anyway, eighty years ago, and it's very good. <laughs> Shut up. 80 years ago this week, all manner of things were happening in the world. Irvin Rommel's troops at Halfire Pass surrendered, meaning he'd lost a third of his forces since the start of Operation Crusader. The Pyrrhic Allied victory. But no sooner had this happened than a convoy docked at Tripoli, providing Rommel with 55 new Panzers, 20 armoured cars, fuel, food, ammo. So he was able to lick his wounds. And God, to God, isn't that a reminder, though, of the kind of scale of those offensives? Yeah, titchy. You know, I mean, 55 Panzers is nothing, is it? Yeah. It's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Meanwhile, Winston Churchill had arrived in the US. I mean, after all, the counter the, the Allies at the end of the Battle of the Bulge have 7,000 tanks at their disposal to deal with the, <laughs> to deal with the Wacht am Rhein offensive. 7,900 tanks or something like that. Anyway. Um, yeah, things uh, have moved on since 1942. A, a tiny bit, a tiny bit. Meanwhile, Winston Churchill had arrived in the US by plane um, a first to meet President Roosevelt, who in turn this week would approve the Manhattan Project. Gosh, all the... I mean, every time I think about every time I think about Churchill getting onto a plane, it kind of, you know, my stomach lurches. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you sort of think of all those people that were killed by by aircraft in the Second World War, doing nothing but just being in it. Just trying to go from A to B. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And of course, unrelated, but worthy of note, Cassius Clay, later Muhammad Ali, was born in Louisville, Kentucky or Louisville. Is it Louisville or Louisville? Could be either. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk, the podcast that gives you the news headlines 80 years late. <laughs> James Holland is here with the weather. Um, is it a particularly bitter winter, Jim? Let me guess. Well, it's, it's certainly bitter. I um, it, It's freezing outside and, and very cold. And yeah, I've been struggling with my... Uh, what I need is that kind of anti, anti-de-icer anti spray for, yeah. my, what? for my Citroen. It's, for it's the Citroen. Well, it, the engine is starting brilliantly. The problem right. is, is you can't just see anything out of the windscreen or the or the yeah. side windows because it's yeah. just so frosted up. This morning it was frosted on the inside as well as the outside. Now, am I right in believing you left the keys in it at a car park the other day and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and no one stole it? No. I mean, I never lock it ever because there's no point. But, but, <laughs> no point. but I suddenly when I got I got back to Salisbury and I got, I got to the station and I sort of like, where the hell are my keys? And I suddenly oh. thought, I have no recollection of putting them anywhere. And then I thought, well, I bet they're probably still in the in the ignition. Then let's hope I haven't run down the battery. And fortunately, I, you know, obviously I switched it off. But there they were, jangling away. I love it. I hope I haven't run down the battery rather than I hope someone. Yeah, I've done. You know, your your Still comment that, you was didn't noted. Consider that. <laughs> you your your consider- comment was noted. <laughs> no one wants to steal it. Well, they want to steal it. They're just too nice. Um, nice people well, in Salisbury. Okay, now look what I got in the post. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah, Haynes Manual, <laughs> Battle of Britain, uh, RAF Operations Manual. Should there ever be another Battle of Britain, um, I know, know how to. to I, I know what to do now. <laughs> um, Andy <laughs> Saunders, um, yes, it's really, really good. Andy Saunders wrote this. Um, uh, and he oh, well, it will be good then. 
It's fantastic. It is fantastic. And um, um, if people know the Haynes manuals, the sort of Second World War style Haynes manuals, they're very, very good. Um, and this has got, this has got, you know, it, 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 and sort of customary familiarity with the topic. So there's even there's a bit about crash recovery, you know, salvage and mm. uh, uh, the, the Coles crane, which was the standard piece of lifting gear used by the RAF. You know, so it, it goes right down. It, you know, it's not just rdf observer corps it's getting d d deeper into the into sort of cogs of the battle of britain you know that, that rather than necessarily the conduct conduct of it so it's the ref operations manual so i'd recommend that that came in the post on saturday and i've i've just put it back down put it that way <laughs> well andy's been busy because he's also written a book about downing's dispatch as well oh which is so good because because there's something really really interesting about having the whole of a document Rather than quotes and snippets, yeah. the whole of the document and someone who really knows the subject saying, right, here, here is this document. And, and the, the dispatch is so interesting. Dowding, Dowding writes it pretty much uh, after he's been let go to, yeah. to, to say, to, uh, you know, and it's the dates that Dowding dates the Battle of Britain in that dispatch that we know that, that become the dates of the Battle of Britain. Because he it's makes that very interesting point at the beginning that he says that all date, you know, the date for this is completely arbitrary. If I had my yeah. way, I'd say the first of, you know, third of September is yeah. the Battle of Britain. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. It's, Which it's was the whole premise for me starting my Battle of Britain book yeah. in May. Yeah, I know. And having read your Battle of Britain book, um, I now agree that the Battle of Britain starts in May, rather than getting halfway through going, is this battle ever going to start? Which is well, you, the, you, which, you weren't the only person to say the, that. The, the, the cry in the audio booth, anyway, um, went up. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, now, um, uh, a quick reminder that tickets for our second summer We Have Ways Festival, or Warfest Zwei, as we call it, are available. So if you go to our website, which is wehavewayspod.com slash festival, um, uh, uh, you can buy your tickets there. There will be day tickets. We're releasing them. We'll be releasing them later this week. Um, funnily enough, I was um, a, a friend asked me at the weekend. A friend said, "Oh, you know, I hear the festival was good fun." And then, and then he got like an hour hour off off me about <laughs> about it. Well, yeah, exactly. And he's funny. Said, you well, should mention it. Well, and he said, um, "I'd love to come, but I I can't do the whole weekend. Will there be day tickets?" And there you will. You are happy to say yes. Yes, there will be day tickets. We'll be releasing them later this week. Um, and he's particular. His dad was a great railway modeler, so he's he's quite he's actually quietly fascinated about the modelling aspect of stuff. That will will be there again as well. Um, uh, in the I keep thinking next year, but it's this year. It's this year. It's this summer. It's this year. It's this year. It's just yeah. it feels it feels like next year, doesn't it? But yeah. but also you know we're starting to kind of you know we're we're starting to get the program together and have lots of yeah. chats and and yeah. booking things in and yeah. all I can say is it it's going to be cracking. Yeah, there's going to be more space for camping this year, and we've got some cracking hardware lined up. To quote Tobin, our tank and vehicle maestro, bigger and better. I mean, yes, and, if and, you there, came might be, and there might year, be the first semblance of a of a uh, Lloyd carrier as well. There might be the which first, is exciting. Yes. So that's exciting. Yes, so we've, um, we've bought the Lloyd carrier, haven't we? We bought the Lloyd carrier. Yeah, now it's now in pieces. It's, it's now assembled, ready for collection. So all we've got to do is clear out the shed in Berwick St John. But Marcus has seen the uh, Marcus Bailey, who's going to be doing most of the restoration work. He, yep. uh, the our young engineer, he yep. has looked at the photographs, and he is not daunted in any shape or form. Really. No, he goes. Well, it looks in pretty good nick to me. I mean, to me, it just oh. looked like a bunch of rust, if I'm honest. But I, <laughs> he, he was pretty confident. He felt there was nothing there that was that posed any horrors. 
Brilliant. So there Excellent. you go. That's so, very so it's exciting. All, it's all kicking off. So we might have it in a week or so. Yeah. In in its wow. shed. It's really up to getting that shed cleared out. Wow. Excellent. But yeah, no, right. it's all quite exciting. And we've been Brilliant. having. And he was saying, what 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 colours are you going to have it in? And you know, and almost I said, wow, yeah, it's Mark Two. It's got to be. It's got to be Northwest Europe, really. Yeah. You know, because you know, because then you have more sort of sexy signs to put on, don't you, by Northwest Europe? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you, 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 you want you? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you're, you probably want it to be a show at Rangers. Well, no, I don't actually. I'm I'm very keen on it being Fourth Dorset, part of the Forty Fifth okay. Wessex Division. But you know, I'm not. I you know, well, I'm, I'm, on the subject of on the subject not of least. Which, yes, go on. Well, after last week's pod, we got an email from a regular friend of the show, Roger Pierce, because we talked about yes. We did, didn't we? Because um, uh, yes. I went to Exeter Cathedral and uh, had a yes. look around and where they have that fantastic graphic of an RAF B-17 um, flying over Lübeck, which is somewhere near Frankfurt, and then um, Stukas being involved in the night bombing of it. Anyway, let's not get let's not get hung up yeah, on the yeah, detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the Book of Condolence, or the or, uh, uh, Book of Remembrance, rather, was open yes. for the Wessex Division. Um, uh, and I mentioned that I'd seen this. Um so Roger Pierce wrote in, he said, you know, my ears prick up whenever Alan James mentioned the 43rd Wessex. So when they mentioned them this morning, I just had to have a look at my dad in my dad's writings to see if he mentioned that attack. Because the date was the 14th, 15th August. That's right. In the, in the Book of Remembrance. And it was all sorts of um, headquarters people, funnily enough. This is what yep. he wrote. Operation Blackwater, mont Pinson to the River Noireau. Yep. And, and you know this this yes, bit this is this is intimate, Sherman Rangers intimately. intimately. This is this is um, um, this is Stan Perry. Yeah. On the fourteenth of August, we made a battalion attack on Hill Two Hundred One, which was a large area with hamlets and farm buildings, with woods <laughs> and hedgerows all over it. A difficult attack. I well remember it because I was slightly wounded on the start line. This is the place where you form up before the attack starts and wait for the support, either artillery or air or both. On this attack, as it was uphill and not thought to be very heavily defended, the tanks didn't go up the hill with us, but stayed at the bottom, giving us fire support. Then, at the appointed time, with a cry of, on your feet, away you went. We were mortared on the start line, and I got some shrapnel wounds in my arm. Once action had started, you were not allowed to help a wounded mate. But as we were waiting to go, my mate gave me a hand to put a field dressing on it. The stretcher bearers told me to report to the MO after the attack. The attack on the hill went well. As we got near each hamlet or farm, we had to do a charge, which I found difficult due to my injury, running with the Bren on rough ground and firing it from the hip. It had me over a few times. We took many prisoners who were nowhere near the stand of the SS we had been fighting. The battalion only had light casualties and the whole attack seemed a piece of cake. So, apart from my sore arm, I was quite happy until we dug in on the top, facing a valley, and we soon learned yet another lesson in the realities of war. The 88mm gun fires a high-velocity shell and the Germans had one across the valley. We quickly learned that you receive the shell before you hear the gun go off, which does not give you a chance to get your head down. We were now getting more casualties from the shelling than we did for the attack, on the attack. Um, thanks to Roger Pierce for that. That's amazing. Well, Roger has sent me a copy of his dad's book. Has he? Which I've started reading. Yeah, but check this out. I open the, you know, I open it up, have a look yeah. in. There, right at the front of the feeling is a, and it says, Lance Pierce standing next to a Lloyd carrier. Oh, brilliant! So, so there we're gonna, you go. Well, let's then it needs to be forty uh, third Wessex, doesn't it? It needs to be the Dorset. Uh, yeah, and fourth Dorset, and it needs to be that, you know, in, in honor of of honor of Ginger Pierce. Yeah, why not? And he's a great guy because he's a he's a he's a reluctant Bren, Bren gunner. He's a very good yeah. Bren gunner in training. Yeah. And originally, they're with the Hearts and Beds. 
and the whole right. company gets transformed, transferred into the fourth Dorsets really? in June. Yeah, in Ju- in early July, they're, they're they're still training. They're not there on D Day, and suddenly they're told that the whole company, including their um, um, including their um, their commander, is transferred yeah. into the Fourth Dorsets because that's what it's like by 1944. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, you know, yeah. so they've got these 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 battalions and divisions over in in England, which are effectively training divisions. Yeah. And training yeah. battalions, yeah, yeah, um, and they just get redesignated. So the whole company goes across, and they get out there in time for Operation Blue Coat. Yeah, but yeah. um, but it's a great book, and he goes all the way through, and it's got it's got veritable in it. The whole thing. Anyway, I started reading it last night. It's terrific. So so Rogers Roger has kind of produced the book from his dad's writings, and he and he's and he's written it exactly as his dad sort of related it. So it's done in yeah. the kind of. He said, "Oh, this might be a bit of a tough read because you know we've just we've done it as as my father kind of yeah, yeah. wrote it. As he told but actually, it, it's, it's, it, I don't think it's a hard read at all. It's a great read. Oh, brilliant! Oh, it's wow. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Well, so his father mean, was called Lance, but he had ginger hair, so he would never be called Ginger. Ginger, ginger Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because because you by by this point there are training battalions, and it is all the training's all been shook down properly, hasn't it? But you've also got, but also because of attrition, you've got this this thing where battalions are sort of simply reformed and gaps are being plugged and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So so you get this weird thing where the where the for all the army's talk of how the regimental system bonds people together and all that sort of stuff, the regimental system has essentially gone out of the window by this point, hasn't it? Yeah, because he's a Cambridge boy. Yeah. Um, he's he's from near Cambridge. He's, he's Cambridge. You know, which is why he's in the hearts and beds. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well exactly. So he's but he's not but he's not from he's not from Hertfordshire or Bedfordshire. So, so no. and he's and he's ended, so he's from Cambridge, he's in the hearts and beds, he's ended up in the Dorsets. Which is yeah. part of you, you know, which is part of the Wessex Division, which in, which includes Devons and stuff as well. So so yeah. it's all quite it, it, it you know and, and, and this, well exactly well exactly. So the whole thing's kind of the whole regimental thing has really gone out of the window by nineteen forty four completely, hasn't it? Which is interesting yeah, because because in peacetime it works perfectly well as a way of keeping people on the straight and narrow and of of, of making them uh, cohesive. Yeah, but once things are once things are underway, and you and it's not just the attrition; it's just a sheer amount of people coming through the army, isn't it? Yeah, well, they get they get out there and they join a company. And they go, okay, right, well, here's our company. We're we're a company from the hearts and beds, you know. Yeah, where, where's a company? And they go, this is it, and there's 21 men. Yeah, now um, out of 130. One of, the, one of the things about that attack, the Mount pa- Mount Mount Pinson. Mont Pinson. Pinson. Is it is it pin not Mont Pinson. Mont Pinson. Mont Pinson. Mont Pinson. And all uh, and uh, Blackwater and all that stuff. By this point, you've kind of got all arms cooperation going on, haven't you? Totally, yeah. It's right. mobile. It's totally mobile. Right, because I, I, you know, last week we were talking about David French's book, Raising Churchill's Army, and we talked yeah. about Percy Hobart. Well, I yes, I went. I'd forgotten about this, but I went truffle hunting for Hobart in this book. Commanded first tank brigade from thirty four to thirty seven. Mm-hmm. Hobart shunned all arms cooperation. In favour of self-sufficient tank formation, all tank formations. Why? I don't know. Because artillery and infantry didn't do radios the way that the tanks did. You need ta- you need radios in tanks to make the tank formation flexible. But yep. he regarded until the infantry and the artillery had caught up with him. He didn't. In want terms them. of radio communications, there was just no point. So, according to one of his brigade. 
well, according to one of his brigade majors, G.W. Richards, this, I'm, this is from French, right? Who himself commanded an armoured brigade in 42-43. The gunners could take up to 20 minutes to engage a target. Well, we wanted them to get on target in three minutes, not 20. The result was that we probably wasted all that time instead of getting a move on. So until they had proper communications, I don't think General Hobart had much use for them. Right? Hmm. Now, what's going wrong in the Western Desert? One of the things that's really going wrong in the Western Desert, the first phase of the Western Desert, Crusader that we talked about earlier on, yep. is no one's talking to anyone. No. Tank formations are herring off. And, 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 it's, and it's a problem with Gazala. Gazala. They just don't, they can't operate yeah. quickly enough. Yeah. And it's because the RT isn't ready yet. Yeah. And, and one of the things that French points out is RT is the British are way behind on it. It's a god and of the once, battlefield. And once they figure it out, everything starts to work. And so when you kind of go, ah, God, you know, that the All Arms Corporation isn't there, it's to do with the fact that the signalling isn't ready. Do you know what? That makes absolute sense. Because even, even on someone like Sicily, you know, that I mean, the reason yep. Hedley Verity gets, gets killed is because, you know, the coordination between the infantry and the artillery yep. and the start lines and the rolling yep. barrage, it's all completely out of sync and it's yep. gone wrong and, you know... Yep. And that's all about comms, isn't it? Yeah. So until you and, sort out your comms, but, it's never going to work properly. But then they, they also get this thing that um, some people start to worry. And one of these some people is Monty, start to worry that the problem with radio is it makes people not use their initiative. Because what they do, what they do is they wait, they radio back and they go, what do I do now? And if you've got, if you've got officers who aren't, who aren't being trained to use their initiative, who are being who are being driven in a top-down way because that's the way you've decided to run the army because you know you you know you you know you you know you're relying on so, people doing what they're told. And at one point, Montgomery's worried that the that the spread of RT in infantry means that infant, infantry officers won't make decisions for themselves and they sit and wait and it paralyzes things moving forward. So you've got this weird halfway at battles yeah. like Alamein where the RT isn't quite ready yet. Yep. The tanks have all got it. And they're all talking to each other. And, you know, we've talked before on the podcast about yep. how complex running one of those nets is because you've got the troop net, squadron net, you know, whatever, brigade, whatever. You've got yep. all the different plates to spin radio-wise. But then plugging that plugging that into infantry. But he said, but, but so there's this idea that no one really knows how to work any of it yet. That's so, and, so this is and, so this is in David French. This is in David French, and there's this whole business that the British are really, really bad at RT security, and uh, the Germ all the Germans have to do is listen, and they'll find out what's going on. Huh. Well, anyway, I, mean, the, I just thought yeah, I just get another I'd, book to read. I just thought I'd bung that in. Um, it, yeah, it's thank just, you. It, but no, but it's the idea that it's the idea that that the re that the, you know the all arms cooperation the reason it isn't happening is because people have thought well we can't possibly make this work so we'll just not bother uh, but that uh, but that also goes back to the tankers thinking that they're the future and they don't need the other arms because they've got yes. they've got mobility and firepower on their side and you know they're essentially mobile artillery i mean it's but even really, even really... in the early days the armored division is still an all arms operation yeah 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 but tank but the, the tank brigade that hobart's created which is the carder of training that then is the model that he is then asked by brooke to uh roll out mm. you know uh, and he forms 11th and 7th and raises both yeah, of yeah. those that's the model they've they've that's his training environment and let's not forget how the british army works is the bloke in charge it's his doctrine yes 
So, uh, which also means when you change bloke in charge, it may all the doctrine may all change. But 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 it might not. Name, but it might not. Anyway, that that's that that I just thought I'd that's love that. Fascinating. So, which love, David French book is this? That's Raising Churchill's Army, which is this extraordinary. Oh, this you've is got it. Yes, you've got okay, it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got to read this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this. I've got to read this. Yeah, okay, really next do. on the list. Next yeah. on the list. Once now, I've what have you been Ginger poking? Pears. What have you been poking around in, though, Jim? Well, I've been poking around, around with um, with Jean Moulin and oh, um, right. or, or, and and the deaf and who betrayed him and all the rest of it. And do, do you remember when we had Patrick Marnham on? And his big thing yeah. was it was a massive SIS stroke MI6. Yeah. SIS becomes MI6, so it's a bit confusing. Yeah. Let's just call it MI6 for ease of of understanding. Um, but it isn't actually MI6 at that stage. Um, he thinks it's a massive MI6 plot. And the, the more I think about it, the more I have little concerns about yeah. that. I'm not convinced yeah. about that. Because the whole point was, he he was arguing that um, that it was about drawing troops away to the Western Front, making the uh, Germans think that there was going to be an invasion in France yeah. in yeah. 1943. Yeah. But of yeah. course, the decision to invade southern Italy, so drawing troops away from southern Italy, wasn't actually made... Um, until middle of August 1943. And he's talking about these decisions being made in May 1943. So it's, obviously the, the chronology doesn't quite work. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. He's saying that the MI6 is, is, yeah. is sorting out this elaborate plot early in, you know, from spring of 1943 onwards. Yeah. yeah. But the decision about going into Italy hasn't actually been made. So hasn't drawing troops made. away from Italy doesn't really make any sense. And also it's just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense full stop because... MI6 is absolutely up to its neck in the in the pre-invasion um, preparations the year before um, the following year in 1944. So you know so, it is effectively running the show, and so and what is it why then? would they? Well, my conclusion is is that actually it's 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 a combination of things. It's it's the bigger the resistance becomes, the, the more holes there are in the colander. Right. So there's more opportunities for for security lapses and cock yeah. up. Yeah. And on top of that, you've got to make very, very difficult decisions Yeah. Um, about, you know, if you're going to run double agents and things, that means you've got to make sure that the Gestapo think that the double agent isn't a double agent. Yes, yes. Or course. is a double agent working for you. Yeah, yeah. And so that means that you've got to kind of, you know, make compromised decisions. So it's what it's, it's but but. This has led me to kind of all sorts of. So I'm going to. What I like to do is I'm, I'm going to tell you about what happened on that on that day because it is really really interesting. So so it's the 21st of June, 1943, that yep. Jean Moulin gets arrested. Yeah. In at Doctor um, uh, Frederick Dugujon's house in Calouère, in the suburb of northern suburb of of Lyon. Yeah. And Calouère is a very nice sort of genteel. Um, or at least it certainly was in in the 1940s, um, sort of northern suburb, and it's on sort of high ground overlooking the River Swan. Yeah. Um, because because you've also got the the Rhone coming through, haven't you? And um, it's uh, it was the meeting point was going to be made at one of two locations that um that were kind of earmarked for it, yep. and they take a, they make a decision about yep. where it's going to be right up to the last minute. Yeah. And Jean Moulin, his his code name is Max. And the interesting thing about Jean Moulin, it's, it's also it's worth just to sort of explaining how he gets to be the head of the French Resistance at this point. So, yeah. so, so Jean Moulin has been a has, has been a, 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 a regional prefect in France at the time of the um, uh, fall of France in, in June nineteen forty. Yeah, and he's down on the Loire, that kind of neck of the woods, and he's and he's a socialist. He's very very left leaning, and the Germans want him to sign off that. 
a massacre of a whole load of um, French civilians was done by Senegalese troops when it yeah. wasn't. It was done yeah. by Germans. Yeah. And he refuses to kowtow, so they arrest him. And he tries to commit suicide by cutting his neck, which is why the very few photos you see of him, he's always wearing a scarf. Yeah. And but but his suicide attempt fails. He's in prison for a bit. Then he gets out and he's thinking he's going to emigrate to the United States. Right. But he can't get out. He can, well, you know, while he's waiting for all his visas and, and all the papers to get to the United States, he, he travels around France and he looks at what's going on and he thinks, actually, what this really needs is one person to kind of pull it all together. And he becomes aware of de Gaulle and what de Gaulle is doing in London, even yeah. though politically de Gaulle is at the other opposite end of the political spectrum to him. You know, yeah. de Gaulle's obviously right wing, he's left wing. Yeah. And he thinks, actually, what we need to do is we need to have one banner. We need to fall, you know, French resistance needs to be formulated behind de Gaulle. He is yeah. the, 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 the kind of yeah. the, the man at the well, front. And, well, and the best bet. And the best bet, exactly that. Exactly that. So he... He he then sort of thinks, okay, well, the way to do this is to go around and try and try and sort of unite everyone and try and um, get everyone to to work together because the resistance, as it is, is is slowly but surely kind of sort of starting to make itself felt. But it's completely disparate. There's no cohesion. There's no coordination whatsoever. Yeah. And resistance in terms of kind of newspapers, pamphlets, this kind of stuff. There's, there's small little, you know, groups of young people doing little sort of petty acts of sabotage and doing kind of FIFA victory yeah. signs and stuff like this. Then there is, uh, and then there are, there are groups. So there's the, there's the, you know, there's Liberation, which was a newspaper before the war, and that comes out as a resistance newspaper, and that yep. is socialist. Then yep. there's the kind of, you know, the the, the Frank Tireur partisan, which emerges, which is basically the the resistance arm of the Communist Party. Yep. So they're all, all these resistance groups are sort of emerging around existing newspapers, organisations that have already been and, there beforehand. Yeah, existing alignments and interest groups, right? R right, right. But it's all incredibly politicised. Yeah. And, and where it isn't politicised, it's just completely haywire and just pell-mell yeah. and all yeah. over the place and, and achieving absolutely nothing. Yeah. So he eventually gets to kind of Portugal and gets to Lisbon and is about to go to the United States and thinks, actually, I'm, you know, I could do, I could make a difference here. So he hands himself into the British Embassy, who then grill him and grill him and grill him because they're convinced he's a spy. And uh, eventually persuaded, they then send him over to London where he then gets interrogated again and then joins up with de Gaulle and although MI6 want to want to run him, he decides to align himself with the BCRA, which is the Free French Intelligence yeah. Network, but yeah. which is also answerable directly to MI6, right. SIS. Yeah. So, so MI6 is completely running this this kind of show, really. Yeah. What, what, and it's what, also got. Go on. So you can join any organisation as you like, as long as it's MI6. Well. Everything runs into MI6. That's that's the, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's the bottom line. And, and does he and know he that? Then, does he know that the BCRA is, yes. is an MI6? Yes, yes, right. yes. Because MI6 is effectively funding it. It's the British government that's funding it, but it's funding yeah. it through MI6. Yeah, yeah. And so he then gets parachuted over to France and starts his big job of of organising everything. And comes back to London a little bit later. Yeah, has yeah. meetings and all the rest of it. And there are. And although everyone has fallen in behind him, so his his argument that you know, all the different political parties, you know, liberals are going, why are we supporting De Gaulle? You know, he's a right wing, yeah. you know, bastard. And yeah. he's going, no, no, no. Look, I'm left wing, and I've done this. We have to do this for the greater good. Yeah. And he yeah, persuades yeah. everyone, but but the jockeying for influence and power, yeah. is has not been resolved. Yeah, and 
By May 1943, you know, what he's done is he's announced the sort of Council of National Liberation, which is a political arm of the resistance, and he's also helped create the secret army. Um, And the secret army, he's tried to keep it neutral by getting an ex um, French general to be in command, who is General Charles Delestrain. And um, Delestrain is, you know, right wing politically, but is sort of the neutral party, effectively. And everyone gets behind him, and, and, and so far it sort of looks to be. Okay, but the but the, the the sort of truce between all these different political parties in the French Resistance, it, it is quite fragile. Yeah, but what happens is, in May, there's a whole load of letterboxes, it, a whole load of letterboxes that they're using to leave messages. Yeah. So what they have, they have these agreed message boxes, letterboxes, so where you leave drop, a message, dead drops. a dead drop, yeah. exactly, yeah. dead drops, and that gets compromised by. Um, by a, a young um, resistor um, called Jean Mouton. And Jean Mouton is captured by the Gestapo in Paris yep. under Klaus Barbie. Right. Um, who has been moved from Paris down to Lyon to take over the running of the um, Gestapo in, in, yeah. in, in Lyon. The reason Lyon is so important is because Lyon's a big city comparatively, but it's also very close to the Swiss border. Yeah. So it's an, obviously it's a it's a it's a transit line yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a waypoint and and it's and that's why it's sort of it's such a magnet really yeah because it's a way of getting information in and out and it's on the rivers and blah blah blah. yeah yeah and um so so jean moulton spills the beans about these letterboxes and the six that are compromised and they're being used by jean moulin alias max and they're being used by um henri frenet of um of combat which is a right wing party and various others and they're also being used by Charles Delestrain and they're also being used by René Hardy and yeah. René Hardy is um, in combat which is the right wing group southern yeah. group yeah but he's also a but you know he's um he's the uh, secret army's railway movements officer right so he goes off to meet Delestrain in Paris um um the beginning of June and is caught by the Gestapo on the train because he's been compromised. And basically since the beginning of May, they've been, you know, they've Barbie and this Gestapo. Yeah. They, yeah, but they've been sort of biding their time. They've been gathering information, seeing what's yeah. going on and thinking, OK, when can we strike to get the maximum amount of amount of um, uh, of benefit? Yeah. So René Hardy is on his way to meet Delastrain and right. gets compromised. And, and hold that thought. Yeah. We're going to take a break. Question of port sports style. <laughs> what <Yeah>. happened next? <laughs> we'll see you after the break um, uh, to find out what happens next. Welcome back to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me. I'm Murray and James Holland. James, uh, we did a cliffhanger there, didn't we? Yeah, so Rennie Hardy's just been being captured by the Gestapo. Yeah. So he gets captured by the Gestapo, and the following day, the Gestapo meet um, with Delestrain, where he's supposed to be meeting René Hardy. Yeah. And he's arrested. Yeah, of course. So that's him, gone. Commander-in-chief of the secret army's gone. Yeah. René Hardy is taken back to Lyon, and where he is um, very heavily interrogated by Klaus Barbie, and then he's released. Oh. And he tells all his resistant friends that he managed to, he saw the guards and jumped the train. Right. Okay. But there's a sort of a rumour that he's there's been a, questioned by the Gestapo release. There's a suspicion about suspicion. That. There's a suspicion about it. Because um, that's, that's, to be honest, that's the, you know, how have how has Barbie done this? How has he 
popped open the um uh, the resistance how has he how has he found out about these dead drops what's gone on so he's found out about it because he has recruited 200 frenchmen to work for him so he's got a team of you know say 15 yeah and he's got 200 french milice and other french and informers yeah who are responding to him and, and you think to yourself okay so why would anyone be in the milice in 1943 what's the point of that you know it's only formed yeah. at the beginning of 1943 and yeah, the reason yeah. it's formed in 1943 is because of the um uh, service de tra- uh, travail obligatoire which is the um oh yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the obligatory go, works you have to so work, they have yeah. they have the relève scheme which is announced by pierre laval who is the french prime the vichy prime minister on the yeah. 22nd of june the anniversary of the armistice um in 1942 and that's a, a voluntary um yeah. go and work in germany kind of thing in exchange for prisoners and, and the take-up is terrible so then they make it compulsory at the beginning of 1943 and there is this there's this real fear of takeover of communism. That that is what yeah. is motivating most French people. Yeah. Really. And it's also that they still believe that Germany's going going to win. And yeah. it, it it's it's they don't want to return to the kind of wishy washy, um, kind of fractious politics of the nineteen thirties. You know, so a lot of people have come around to the idea yeah. that actually a kind of some kind of dictatorship is a way forward. Yeah. So I guess that's that's why they're largely they're 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 collaborating so when the uh, when when the obligatory service of course what happens if you don't want to do that you have a choice you've either got to you either just suck it up and go yeah or you you run to the hill and run to the maquis you know with the old scrubland in the mountains and um yeah. and, and become a, a you know a, a, yeah. a resistor you know run to the hills but at the same time you know the milice is formed and so you've got all these You've got this organisation where there's people forming, and they're much more dangerous than the Germans because you can see a German a mile off, but you you don't know whether the person you're talking to. So this sort of air of suspicion just feeds into it. Moulton gets compromised and gets betrayed, and he in turn gets you know when he gets tortured, he then betrays the letterboxes. Yeah. So they've then got so that's how Barbie is able to kind of tighten the noose, but also you can see how these how these slips occur because there's just more people involved. Yeah. And the more people that are involved, the more leaks there's likely to be, and the, yeah, yeah. the more holes there are on the colander. The kind of yeah, yeah. you know the analogy I kind of made earlier on. So suddenly, you know, Jean Moulin is kind of thinking, "Crikey, you know, we need a new head of of the secret army." And so he calls this meeting on the twenty first of June to discuss who that's going to be. Yeah. But the problem is, is is, um, um, Henri Frenet, who is the head of combat, is away. Right. He's in London at the time. Right. And he is very, very keen to be the head of the secret army. Right. Well, And Mulan knows that. Right, yeah. And I mean, so, so, I mean, that's that's not... Is that uh, Mulan making a move on him, to, like calling that meeting when he's absent? So... He, well, it's it, you, you know what yes, I mean. But he, it's but not he, subtle. It's yeah. not, you could argue it's not subtle, is it? No, no, but it, but it, get, but it gets... It gets even more unsubtle because <laughs> so, because so, you have to think about who he's inviting yeah. so he invites andre lasagna who's one of the leaders of liberation yep. left-wing socialist yeah yeah then he invites bruno larat who is the air movements officer for the bcra you know the right. the yeah. de gaulle's intelligence service yeah. Yeah. you know run by mi6 yeah. yeah then he invites one member of combat which is Henri obray who is the senior staff officer in the secret army, yeah. but is a senior player in combat. And he right. is the kind of sort of effectively standing in for Frenet. Yeah. 
Then he's got Albert, Albert Lacaz, who is from France de Boer. And he's yep. a retired army officer and logistics specialist. And France de Boer is a is a is another southern resistance group. It's sort of right wing, but it's not overtly so. And it and it's not as influential. You know, the big the big three are, are yeah. the um Franc Tireurs, um Liberation and Combat. Yeah. And Moulin is worried that 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 the right wing is going to kind of yeah. get its way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he thinks. So he decides to take Raymond Aubrac with him. Now Raymond Aubrac has become this sort of legendary resistance figure, and probably sort of only one down, really, from from from, from Jean Moulin. Moulin himself, yeah. And he's actually Raymond Samuel because he's Jewish, right? Um, and he's a communist, even though he works for Liberation, right? And he has also been arrested by the Gestapo and released. Yeah. So under no circumstances should he have been at that meeting and that's no. you know he needs to be put out to grass for a little bit and kind of prove that he's okay yeah. and kept well away from any certainly any meeting with Jean Moulin. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately this is a really really bad bad move by Moulin on 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 that front because Obrac is clearly a security risk. Yeah. But Paul Benouville who is one of the other leading combat per people and is yeah. the leader in charge in the absence of Frenet, who's in London, yeah. sends René Hardy to gatecrash it right. to make sure that Liberation don't get their way. Yeah. And in sending René Hardy, he is breaking all rules. For, forget yeah. whether René Hardy has been interrogated by the Gestapo yeah. or not. You don't send uninvited guests to secret meetings. No. No, of course so, not. So, so, so it's an absolute recipe for disaster. Then, on the actual day, what happens is Mulan arrives there with Obrac, which, again, is a... You should have come alone, and yeah. you come a circuitous route, and you don't all arrive at once and all yeah, the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah. But once you're there at the meeting point, once the start point arrives, no one is allowed to, allowed to stay for longer than 10 or 15 minutes without the whole... You know, if if not everyone's there, you break it up and you do it again. Yeah, yeah. But Mulan and Obrac are delayed by forty-five minutes, so the meeting is at two fifteen, and they get there at three o'clock. And so the five guys plus Rene Hardy and everyone's going, "What the hell are you doing here?" Are all in a room upstairs at the doctor's house, at Doctor Dugujon's house, when Mulan and Obrac turn up, mm-hmm. and. Doctor, the doctor's secretary doesn't realise who they are. So he, she just says, go into the waiting room, please. So they're in the waiting room. But the guys upstairs should have broken up the meeting yeah, yeah, yeah. half an hour earlier. Yeah, yeah. They, shouldn't, they should not be there. Yeah. And at five past three, the Citroens turn up outside the, uh, outside the, the doctor's house. The Gestapo screaming in, including Klaus Barbie himself, and arrest why, the whole lot. Why are they late? Why? Why is why are they? Why are and late? They get delayed by their courier, their their person who their, their leader. So what happens is you have a you meet at a bus stop or something like yeah. that. Then you're met by a by someone who takes you. Yeah, they pass you on. The they pass you on. Right. Black so no one knows. No one knows the whole thing. Right. Yeah. But but they should have cancelled it. And and you know, on the seventh of May, so so, you know, five weeks, six weeks earlier. Yeah. Jean Moulin writes to de Gaulle. Okay. Yeah. 
And he says, I am now hunted both by Vichy and by the Gestapo, who, in part due to the methods of some members of the resistance movements, know everything about my identity and my activities. As a result, my task is becoming increasingly hard, while the difficulties are becoming increasingly numerous. You know, so he knows that the, the, the net is closing in. But yeah. why make those 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 schoolboy errors? And it's because of it's it's accumulated stress and strain. It's because they've got to, he's got to do, do something about replacing Delestrand. You know, everyone's around at this particular point. But 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 it's getting loose. But what's but what's really betrayed them on this yeah. particular day is it, it's very probably Rene Hardy, who was was twice tried after the war and acquitted. Yeah. But there's something else going on, which is. Claude Dancy, who is the deputy yeah. of, of, of MI6 and effectively running it. Yeah. And his net his Z network. So yeah. Z network is is in Switzerland, but also operating under Z um under the Z group in Switzerland is Victor Farrell, who is an yeah. MI6 agent and yeah. Z network, Z group yeah. one. So so he's a Dancy man. Yeah. And he's based in Switzerland in Geneva. But also Colonel Georges Groussard. Now mm. Groussard is deuxième bureau. So the French secret intelligence, which has been dismantled in 1940, but yeah. is still going clandestinely. Yeah. And is attached to the BCRA. Right. But is separate from. Yeah. And he and Farrell have been running the PAT network for MI9. Yeah. Which is a, which is a kind of escape route. Thing. Yes, escape route. Yeah. But also the Gilbert network, which is yeah. nothing to do with SOE. It's 100% MI6. Yeah. And, and, and the Z group. Yes, because uh, MI6 infiltrate MI9, don't they? They're 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 running yeah, yeah. they're yeah, running stuff yeah. through MI9, right? When apparently they're meant to be nothing to do with each other. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Grusard has has someone working for him called Edme Deletraz, mm-hmm. and Deletraz is a female courier for the Gilbert Network. Yeah. And in April, she is delivering some messages to a to a dead drop in Lyon for um, for Groussard yeah. when she is betrayed. She's caught by Robert Boog. Now, Robert Boog is an Abwehr agent, so the right. Wehrmacht secret agent, but he's yeah. been seconded to the Lyon Gestapo. Right. So he pulls her in and says, right, you've got a choice. You know, either we, you, know, you, you spend the rest of the, of the war in prison or you become a double agent. She goes, yeah. well, I'll be, a, I'll be a double agent, thanks. Yeah. And to prove it, and to prove it, she then leads the, res- has, the Gestapo. Yeah, so she has. So you, at the start of this, you said, you know, the double agents have to have to demonstrate to prove their, something. yeah, they have to prove something. So there she is, proving that she's worth having by betraying by betraying Moulin. Exactly, exactly. So she then takes them to Animas train station, which is on the Swiss border, and there. Betrays it, and she where she's supposed to be meeting Andre Devigny, who was the leader of the Gilbert network, and yep. she betrays him. Right. But Andre Devigny is Grusar's son-in-law. Right. And she then, after this has happened, um, and Devigny actually wrote a book about this because he he escapes from Monluc prison, which is uh, you know yeah. he's 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 tortured, interrogated by Barbie. He's yeah. then put in prison, but he managed to escape. He's one of kind of very very few people to escape, and his yeah. his escape story is absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, um, uh, um, I've got a book of it here. Somewhere. Where is it? Uh, anyway, it doesn't really matter. I've got it. Um, and um, anyway, so 
Delatraz says to Grusard, this is what I've done. And he goes, you did the right thing. Um, and I want you to carry on working for the Gestapo. <laughs> so she knows about the breaking of these dead drops yeah. that, that this guy, um, this young resistor has yeah. revealed. And she warns Grusard and Grusard says, got to crack on. You've got to do it because, you know, if, if you start telling us stuff, you know, and we, we start we start acting on it, then, you know, my God. you're compromised. So on the 21st of June, she's called in and said, right, we need your help today. Um, I want you to meet Rene Hardy. We've got him and yeah. um, and he's going to be going to this meeting this afternoon. We know all yeah. about it, but yeah. we don't know where it is. So we want you to follow Rene Hardy to the meeting. So she goes... Okay, so sure, she's got, no this problem. is this is this is like ten in the morning, so yeah. she then furiously tries to warn everybody. Yeah, and she tells Henri Aubry, who's one of the combat guys, who's going, and Pierre Beneville, and they don't do anything about it. My goodness. So she follows she follows um, Rene Hardy to the meeting, yeah. goes back yeah. to the Gestapo, says this is where they are. Five past three, they turn up in the in the things and they're all arrested. My God, and that's what happens. Now, but the interesting thing about it is that is that you know there is there is no benefit to any of those who were there to being arrested. Obviously, no. So there's no benefit to to Pierre Beneville to not be there. But what's happened is in their kind of sort of oh, we've got to have our influence in the secret yeah. army, and we've got to get yeah. you know that has overcome security and and good sense. A, a good sense. Gosh, and so it's just it's just. And, and what you have to remember, what one has to remember about all these people, the exception of, you know, if you think about Raymond O'Brac, you think of Pierre Beneville, you think of, of Henri Aubry, to a certain extent, you think of Jean Moulin, none yeah. of them are military people. They've yeah, never yeah, had yeah. any, you know, they've been through MI6 and they've, they've had briefings and all the rest of it, but they're not trained. But they're also, making it up. But also, Aubrac is a communist, isn't he? And, 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 yeah. and a, believe, a believer. So... Yes. He he would would not he wouldn't have any compunction about betraying right wing French people, would he? Because ultimately, well, no, but all, he's one of the key all, people all, that gets arrested. All, I know, but but you know what I mean. If it, because because yes, he gets arrested, but where does he where does Obrak actually fit into all of this? It, you know, once he's been picked up, because there is this great debate over Obrak and actually yes. because his, because his testimony is absolutely bullshit. Yeah, and he exactly. gets completely found it's, it's, out. For, for, but for, I think for, it's just. It's just post-war. He's just enlarged it to make him look better. I think. Yeah, yeah. I I just think they they the fundamentally they're just not very good. At, you know, Mulan is obviously an incredible person, unbelievably yeah. courageous, brilliant yeah. at persuading yeah. people. You know, he brought everyone together. I mean, a really, you know, he he is rightly fated. Yeah. But is he a good secret agent? No, because they're. It, it's just got it gets, too big. It it's too caught. big, and there's too many. He get, because he, he gets, gets caught. caught, so and he doesn't need good. to get caught. I mean, he doesn't he, need to get that caught. But when we remember when we talked um, about the uh, uh, to Kate Vigers about the you know women of SOE, and there is this sort of the, the people who get the people who get caught get lionised, and this isn't. I mean, the, and this which isn't to say they're any less heroic because of what they then have to endure once they're caught. But there, you could argue that the people who get caught, the people who aren't the but aren't that good at it? You you you, you, know, you yeah. know what I mean? Well, okay. So go back to SO, so SOE. There's F section. Yeah. Well, okay. Which, which is, is the, which is the, the, the French bit. You know, 
Yes, but there's also RF section. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, SOE yeah, RF, yeah. which is yeah. run by the BCRA and MI6. Yeah, it's MI6, yeah. So it's yeah. separate to F section. Yeah. And RF section is considerably more successful than than, yeah. than F section. Yeah. And I suddenly thinking, so hang on a minute. So how does SOE F section, how does that fit into the French resistance? So I then spoke to Rob Lyman about this, because he's done a lot of work on this when he did his book about the Amiens um, prison break. Yeah. You know, Operation Jericho. Whatever. Yeah. And... Um, and I said, so, 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 Rob, where do, how does SOEF section fit into the resistance? He goes, it doesn't, it doesn't at all. <laughs> and what's absolutely clear is that the the SOEF section is just a bit rubbish. I mean, and it's because they're 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 British people going into places. Uh, the reason RF section works better is because they're French agents they're French. They're French, who yeah. are making the most of existing networks that they already know. They, you know, they yeah. know that you know they're going into places where they they know they've got friends or cousins yeah. or they know the territory or whatever. Whereas someone like Francis Subtle, he might he might speak fluent French and might be a massive francophile, but he doesn't have that inbuilt network already there. I mean, yeah. Subtle was incredibly courageous, incredibly brave, and completely and, and, and a, and a very go, brilliant person. But 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 he can't go straight his aunt. <laughs> no, he can't go and stay at his aunt's, and, and the <laughs> obstacles are too are too big. So yeah. it's not that they're a bit shit; it's it's more that they're just a bit pointless. Whereas yeah. SOE works where there is, and, and the other problem is there's effectively a civil war going on in France. Yeah, and, and and that's the problem. It's too easy to be compromised. Whereas if you're an SOE in Norway, pretty much everyone's against the German occupation. Yeah. If you yeah. go into you know Yugoslavia, you know pretty much everyone's sort of you know anti the Germans and the Italians. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and and ditto in. You know, other parts of the world. So where it's most, you know, or Denmark, for example, where it's more successful is where the vast majority of the population are against the occupation. But in France, that isn't the case. Yeah, yeah, and So yeah, they yeah, yeah. just get rumbled. So the whole point is just, you know, so if, if MI6 did rumble the Prosper circuit, for example, the reason they would have done that is just because all they're doing is getting in the way and cocking things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's really interesting. I mean, whoever thought it, you know, all those films, all those novels, all those books about female agents from the SOE, you know, F section going in and, and sort of, you know, igniting the flame. They're not really doing anything because the resistance hasn't really got anything to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, not till sort of Jedbras turn up. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, 1944. Yeah. yeah. But this is like so much of the Allied war effort, isn't it? Is that, that it takes it takes the middle three years of the war to get serious, to actually figure yeah. out how to actually figure out how to do it apply the resources and the and the you know the people who know what they're doing and and, yeah. and it's this muddle through doctrine that inevitably comes with a big crisis like a like the second world war you do, how do you you know because after all there's no muscle memory for this from the first world war is there because because france no. isn't there isn't occupied at all. whereas so much of how the army works and the air force works and particularly the navy they can look at what they did they can look at what they did last time round they can build they can build on that but you can't do that with this so no yeah. no one's done it before and it, uh, uh, anyway i mean it's absolutely fascinating jim it really is fascinating i've 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 loved doing this little deep dive into it all um and kind of, sort of looking it into it all and looking into sort of original documents and stuff i mean you know you can sit you can read in, in french but you know thankfully i had google translate you know all uh, edme delitraz's um statement grusard stuck up for her after the war Really, you know, despite having handed over his son-in-law, you know, she, he defended her to the hilt, and why? Because she was all part of, you know, because they knew of what she was up to. Yeah, amazing. 
Right, well, that's all we've time for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, um, we're back on Thursday. Um, uh, and again on Sunday for the latest episode of Family Stories. Keep those coming, by the way. Um, yeah, please uh, do. Last Sunday's was incredible. Um, we'll see you all soon. Cheerio. See you soon. Bye. Cheerio, bye. Bye.